Hello, welcome to the Paralegal Voice. I am recording live on location from the 2019 NALA Conference and Expo in Scottsdale, Arizona. This is Carl Morrison. I am the host of the Paralegal Voice. Of course, today's show is being sponsored by NALA. NALA has been a sponsor for the Paralegal Voice since our very first show. Courtfiling.net, Legal Inc., and ServeNow are also our sponsors, and we truly, truly, truly thank them so much for their generous support. So, Today, right now, I have before me the lovely um, Vicki Kuntz, ACP. She is past president of NALA, and I'm very honored to be interviewing her uh, today. And I want to say, Vicki, thank you so much for being a guest. Thanks, Carl, for inviting me. It's a great opportunity to still talk a little bit about NALA and the past and the future of the organization. And we're going to get started in with what we're going to talk about. But before I jump headfirst into Mm -hmm. our topic, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, a little bit of your background, your experience, so on and so forth. Okay. I have been a paralegal um, since the early 80s, found out about NALA about 1986, and we had decided in the state of North Dakota that we wanted to set up our own paralegal organization. And I am a founding member of Western Dakota Association of Legal Assistants. During that time of setting up, heard a lot about the CLA. We had a NALA officer come and talk to us about the organization. And I, of course, volunteered right away to be president so I could get to that NALA conference. (laughs) That was in 1987 in Philadelphia. So I'm really excited. We're going to be going to Atlantic City next year and we can fly into Philadelphia. It'll be like full circle for me from kind of the beginning of my NALA career. And it's kind of with me kind of as I'm starting to fade out into the sunset. (laughs) It's the sunset. It's not completely. You're not going... Too far away. (laughs) And so when I first started going to the NALA conferences, it was really more for the idea of getting the education and learning about NALA. And it was during that time when it was like, wow, I really wanted to be one of those leaders, but I'm from North Dakota. How could that ever happen? Right, right. Well, of course it can happen because look at you today. I mean, (laughs) it can happen to any one of us. Um, So... You said you got active in 1987 was when you first joined NALA. Mm -hmm. Yes. And what was the main motivator for you joining then? Education and getting my CLA. So it really was having that certification exam that was like, that's what I want. Yes. Um, What's your background in education in the way of a certificate, degree? Yep. I have about two and a half years of college, but no degree. I consider my kind of experience in the legal field was kind of just fell into it. Um, Lucky, but just kind of by the school of hard knocks Mm -hmm. and had uh, worked for a couple attorneys who were really good teachers. Right. Back in the 70s and 80s, that's really what we only had for education was for the attorneys to teach us until the programs all started. Exactly. Um, That's why the CLA, the certification was so important for me to get. Because it it demonstrated to employers, to others, your peers, that you went above and beyond. Yes, it had some credibility. Right, exactly. And it still does have credibility yes. today, absolutely, yeah. um, having the certification. Um, my late mother was also a, she was a legal secretary and then became a paralegal when I was in high school and um, set for the CLA exam and passed it and then got her specialty and so on and so forth. But I remember her talking about um, NALA. 
and the importance of the certification exam and how vitally important it was to her and her career. At the time, I was like, I am not going into law. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Forget that. <laughs> 27 years later, <laughs> I've been doing <laughs> paralegal, sort of, you know, very similar to you. Yes. Um, my undergrad's in pre-med and, and actually hard, you know, started out. I needed a job at the time. I was in college and started working as a runner and attorney saw the benefit of me and took me under the wings and the rest is history. So, yes, yeah, which is great. And education's great in addition. But having that certification is really, I think, vitally important. I, I think I, so, I'm, That's my personal opinion. So mm-hmm. take it as <laughs> what it is. But um, so... You said you were a founding member of Western Dakota Association of Legal Assistance, which yes. is a NALA affiliate. Yes. So what was it like helping start a local affiliate association from the ground up, that grassroots level? It was a hard sell for, there was a legal <clears throat> secretaries association that was with NALS. Okay. And some of us were in NALS because it was the only association and it was like, okay, we are doing more and we need to be able to find each other and provide each other some support. So it was in North Dakota. You've got to remember there's not a, I think there's 500 attorneys, was about 500 attorneys back in the day. Um, There's quite a few more now, but we had to sell to the attorneys that one, you know, are you going to support us if we start this new organization? And then two, can we get enough of us? And when we started, we made some phone calls and there were six of us sitting in the room and said, we can do this. And within a year, I think we were up to about 20. And I know that maybe they've had as many as 75 to about 85 over the years. And we are really only just the western half of the state of North Dakota. There is one on the eastern half. And they started the eastern half probably a couple years after we did. Okay. We had a lot of support from the Bar Association um, because of the attorneys that some of us work for. And so we had their support and the Bar Association. Then they um, really backed us and helped us get the educational opportunities that we needed as well because we couldn't get all of those within our own small little organization. Right, right, exactly. You know, like many of us volunteer leaders out here, um, typically many times we don't have the intentions of taking that leadership role on. You probably did not have in your intention of when you started this, our founding member of this association that, oh my gosh, my intention is to be a leader. You know, that's what I want to do. And you just have that servant's heart basically. But somehow, you know, we find, or they find us, the, the leadership roles find us in an, in an organization. Mm-hmm. So what was your why that you got active at, at even the local level, but even in the national level on the national board of NALA? What was the why? What it was, was that? the personal growth. I, when I first started with Wadala, I had been a PTO mom and I ended up being president because no one wanted to be at back in those days. I worked my way for president there. So it was like when we got involved with Wadala, it's like, okay, I can do this. But I knew when I got to Nala, there's some pretty powerful leaders out there and I wanted to be one of those. So I watched them. I got to meetings. I saw what they did, kept moving up the chairs. And it was attending one of the Nala meetings about 1989 or 90 when I was asked to serve on a committee. And that president, who's now no longer with us, but when she asked me to be on that committee, she said, you keep asking the right questions. You keep volunteering 
um, to be a timekeeper, just trying to get involved. And says, we know that, you know, that you'd be good on a committee. And once I got on a committee, it was like, okay, now I want to be one of them. It was just the opportunities that Nala gave me to want to learn how to speak in front of other people, mm-hmm. how to provide some leadership, be a mentee or a mentor, um, just the opportunities back in those days, you know, I took advantage of them. I right. think some people don't recognize, um, really dig deep and see what's there to offer that might be free in front of them. Right. Exactly. I agree with you 100%. Mm-hmm. You know, um, who was the the president, if you don't mind me asking? When I came on, the president that um, was outgoing was Kay Kasich and incoming was Karen Sanders West. So having that leader mentor, basically, you call her, I would call her a mentor. Her, yes. That said, you know, yeah. I, I'm going to encourage you. Yeah. Um, so having that, and as leaders, when you take on that leadership role, even at the local level, even if you don't aspire to be at the national level, even at a local level of a leadership role, you need to encourage. Absolutely. Those, those local leadership roles can help them even in their own, take it for them so that they can um, develop their own skills at work. It's like you can't be the boss necessarily in a lot of those paralegal roles, but if you can be the leader or the boss of an organization, you gain those skills and they can just roll over and help you in your work skills. That's That's how I advanced in the law firm. I worked for 20 years in law firms and... It was my Nala experience and my Wadali experience that I felt gave me the leadership experience and the courage to become a paralegal manager in a law firm that I had worked in. And and I know that that's what the attorneys saw, too. It was that leadership um, development that I had from Nala and Wadala. And it's just so funny when you stop and look backwards over your your career Mm -hmm. and how much that at the time... You didn't have, you know, the intention to do and fill in the blank. You just do because it was the drive. And I will tell you, most paralegals that you and I know across the country, people just do and give and we're overachievers. Absolutely. (laughs) Want to do a great job. I think we all like the pat in the back, but we also just feel good with by doing a good job and completing something. Right. Right. It's, mm. yeah, we're all nuts, I guess you could say. Yeah. <laughs> kind of crazy about that. We're kind of crazy about yes. that. So um, a minute ago, you were talking about the um, local NALS chapter and, and having a secretarial position before you transitioned. And, and there's been a lot of discussion of recent of traditional and non-traditional paralegals. So let's talk about a little bit about the difference. What... What is the difference? And we'll start with traditional paralegal. Yes. What, how would you define a traditional paralegal? When I was what I considered a traditional paralegal back in the 80s and, and 90s, we did we worked for attorneys most of the time in a law firm, occasionally in some corporate um, settings and some government settings. But we did legal pleadings. We did maybe some interviewing. I dictated. I had a legal secretary that would transcribe all of my work. We had typewriters. Um, We did progress to computers, but they still did our dictation. And we did a lot of research. But as the years, even in the 21 years that I worked as a paralegal, by the time I was 
even still in the law firm, I was starting to draft my own documents because I could pull up the pleadings on the computer and then just fill in the blanks. And we would have our legal secretaries, which were then starting to think they were more legal assistants, then they would do a little bit more than the usual transcribing dictation. They were um, sometimes filling in the blanks a little bit more. So there, there got to be this gray area between legal assistant and paralegal. And it was when I was president that we adopted, started to use paralegal within NALA because it was getting so gray and people were really um, nervous of what it would do to their career. What I found was happening was that our jobs were changing, um, our responsibilities were changing, but not still necessarily what the, what the educational requirements were, whether you're a paralegal or a legal assistant. So I listen to some of these young paralegals now and they get up in the air about... You know, they're, they're, they call themselves a legal assistant, but they don't have the paralegal education. The non-traditional paralegal has now transformed into an even more non-traditional <laughs> paralegal, if, you, if you'd say, because they, you, we need the paralegal background, I mean, paralegal education and or credentials. Right. But jobs, years ago, you had doctors, lawyers, um, teachers, nurses. Now we've got job descriptions. You know, now we have risk managers. We have um, fraud analysts. There's so many different jobs that paralegal education or credentials is a requirement, but they're not called a paralegal. So these non-traditional jobs, are they're all over out there. And we as paralegals, especially these young ones, they need to be reinventing themselves, looking at those jobs out there, seeing what a paralegal education will get them, and not worry so much whether they're a paralegal or if somebody else is calling them a legal assistant. Set themselves apart by with their education and that credential. I'm sitting here and I'm just like, yes, hallelujah, <laughs> you know, because it is. It, me personally and how I have evolved and progressed as a paralegal, now the company that I work for in gaming hospitality industry, I'm now the manager of legal services. And because in the corporate arena, that the role of a paralegal is evolving and there is a whole new industry called legal operations out there. Mm-hmm. I attended um, its organization called CLOC, C-L-O-C, and it's a consortium of legal operations. Um, oh, gosh, now I'm totally blanking out. Consortium? It, anyway, it's legal yes. operations. It's yeah. CLOC. Look it up, yeah. CLOC.org. And it's this, exactly what you're talking about, that there are roles out there. And I met at this particular conference just recently that... Um, were paralegals, are paralegals, they have the paralegal background, they've transitioned into these legal operation positions. And it's because they're doing, whether it be managing and overseeing a legal department's um, particular project, e-discovery, you know, case management software, managing outside counsel, there's this whole industry and a lot of paralegals, that is a path, a career path to go mm-hmm. to. It's no longer just going to be called a paralegal. Like you, I, I evolved. I recognize that I still have a lot of years left of work life ahead of me. And if I want to stay ahead of the game, if I want to stay, you know, on the forefront of what's going on, I got to make sure that I evolve with my industry 
and not just sit back and just go, okay, I'm a certified paralegal and that's all I need to be. I bet you see in your industry too, contract administrators. That's a really good example Mm -hmm. that we have contract administrators in many of our companies with, with over 60 companies in the corporation that I belong to. And they would hire contract administrators and one of their requirements would be either they need to be a lawyer or they need to be a paralegal. And they didn't have the paralegal title. Now, they maybe if they had a attorney background, they maybe have gotten paid a little bit more, but it would have been only because they had more education, more experience. They still would fall within that salary range. Right. Paralegals could get paid as much as somebody who came in with a law degree. Right. Exactly right. Um, and it's it's about recognizing that there are traditional, non-traditional roles and don't pigeonhole yourself as a paralegal. Absolutely. There's a lot of opportunity, I think, in today's world that you can get into the insurance industry. Right. Um, I work for, a, again, a publicly traded company, so as a risk manager, and really invented. We knew, the, we, knew we needed a risk management department, but what did we need? And they pulled me in because of my litigation background to help on the insurance defense work. But I also knew bad faith, and so I was able to use that and ended up eventually creating the risk manager position for myself. Vicki, you and I could sit here and I think talk for like the next two hours. <laughs> I definitely, I think I need to have you on and we elaborate more on some of these roles that are out there because I think it, it would be very informative for the listeners to understand that, especially students that listen to the show and, you know, have a core solid paralegal education background and think, I can only work in a law firm and I can only do this. There's a many different opportunities out there for a paralegal to evolve and change uh, and not just stay in one little area. You've got to keep growing and, and evolving, I think. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, nope, so. I totally agree with you. I mean, they've got to explore. They've got to invent. They have to, you know, kind of seek and they'll find the reward. To me, we're in exciting times for our industry because there's so much on the horizon and law is changing. The law itself does not change, Mm -hmm. but the industry and how law is provided and serviced is evolving. Absolutely. So um, I always have to have a fun question. Okay. So here's my fun question. (laughs) If you could be food or a meal, like a whole meal... Um, or even just a simple one piece of fruit or vegetable whatever. or whatever, but a food item, what would you be and why? I would probably be asparagus. I love asparagus. Do you? Okay, I do Vicky, too. I love you then. <laughs> you know, while they are lean and mean most of the time, right. but they've got an unusual taste. They do. It kind of has to be acquired. Right. And you can fix it in kind of some different ways and really still enjoy it. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of my personality. So <laughs> it's funny you should ask that. I've just, I don't know why I thought of an asparagus, but. <laughs> I love it. I think that's the best definition of you. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Vicki, thank you so much for being on my show today. I really do truly appreciate it. It's an honor to sit here and talk with the past president of NALA. So I'm humbled and honored that you agreed. Oh, thanks, Carl, and I love what you're doing here. This is a great um, service to the profession, so keep doing it. Thank you. Most definitely. Absolutely, I will. So if the listeners wanted to follow up with you, if they had a question or anything, is there a way to get in contact with you, email or social media? Sure. I use the email vjk 
A-C-L-A at gmail.com. Easy peasy. It is. (laughs) Thank you. Um, That's all the time we have for this episode of The Paralegal Voice, brought to you by the generous support of NALA, courtfiling.net, Legal Inc., and ServeNow. Thank you once again to our sponsors, and thank you to the listeners for tuning in. Um, If you like what you heard, of course you like what you heard, you know? Um, Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. I'm Carl Morrison, host of The Paralegal Voice. And if you have any questions, please send them to me at devotedtolaw at gmail.com. That's D-E-V-O-T-E-D, the number two, L-A-W, at gmail.com. Until next time, thank you for listening. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, or subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Som. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.